Amen. You might be seated. Well, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. Once again, put your hands together for all the musicians, tech, choir, everybody. Let it be good. Our guest today is Joe Gordon. Joe, of course, is a wonderful uh, friend of Victory Church. He and his wife, Laura, along with their sons, Josiah, Philip, and Caleb, have been engaged in missions uh, with the boys all of their life. They served, of course, 24 years in the unreached area of Asia. They, of course, uh, served uh, 12 years or so in Laos and, and building churches there and discipling people. Imagine that. And then the Lord, of course, has called them uh, into India there in which they head up the live dead model. They already have 10 families that have done this to sign up to be live dead missionaries. Individuals that sign a, sign a waiver that says wherever God sends us, no matter whether our lives are threatened, we will go wherever needs uh, the gospel needs to be preached, and we'll be there sacrificing everything that we had, including our lives. Joe Gordon, of course, has uh, served in the uh, Assembly of God World Missions Division now as the area director for Live Dead in India. He is a man totally, absolutely committed to seeing lives change. I'm going to ask you, pay close attention because God is going to speak through him supernaturally and you will get a live brand of a message right from God today. Would you welcome everybody, Joe Gordon, our missionary guest today. Joe. Good morning. It is uh, such an honor to be with you. Victory Church is, uh, is famous all over the world where there are missionaries as a church who stands with the call of God, stands with the people of God, and we are so grateful for your support today. Uh, I'm excited to be with you here on Missions Day. Somebody greeted me coming in the hall and said, uh, Happy Missions Day. Is that a thing here? I That's good. You start doing a Happy Missions Day. Everybody tell somebody, Happy Missions Day. Man, we get to be a part of God's mission to see transformation around the world. That should bring joy to your hearts that God, as unfaithful as we are, as undedicated as we are, as sinful as we are, that the King of kings and the Lord of lords would allow us to have a part in his eternal purposes. That should bring joy to your hearts. Amen? I've always told people... Don't ever feel sorry for a missionary unless they're a sorry missionary. And a sorry missionary is somebody that wants you to feel sorry for them to forgetting to do the will of God. It is an honor to serve the Lord. And you should be praying every day of your life. You should be begging God every day. God, is there something I can do? Is there something I can be involved in? It is a privilege to be a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Well, excited to be here with you today, and then tomorrow I'm getting on the plane. I've been in the States 10 days and going back to my family and to India, so today's a great day for me. Luke chapter 15, verse 1. Luke 15, 1. I'll be going through these passages for, uh, for the sake of time. I'm just going to read the first few, and then we'll talk through the rest. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees... And the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. So all of the parables Jesus is going to tell are dealing with this issue 
that the Pharisees and teachers don't like the fact that Jesus spent his time with sinners. They don't like the idea that Jesus loved people that they hated and feared. I want to tell you today, Jesus loves people that you hate. Jesus loves people that you fear. I have often told people, we do not have a refugee problem in America. We have a refugee opportunity. <laughs> you have the opportunity that God is bringing the nations to you, and you should be thankful every day to say, God, you're bringing them to me. Countries do what countries do, but if you are a child of God, every day you should say, thank you, Jesus, for bringing the lost into my neighborhood. If you don't like it, go to Afghanistan. Reach them there. You got two choices. <laughs> There's plane tickets. You can go where they are, or you can thank the Lord they're bringing them here. Amen? Amen. I like starting controversial to just, just get things started right. So Jesus is talking to these Pharisees and teachers who, who don't like the fact that he's spending time. So, so he begins telling these parables to help them to understand the heart of God. So he starts with this parable of the lost sheep. And the shepherd, he has a hundred sheep, and one of them goes astray. Notice, this is only one percent. I went to Southeastern. I figured that out. One went away, a hundred 1%. So he's still got 99% of all of his sheep. I mean, he can live without the one, but even the one is so valuable to God that he sets out to search for even the one. And the Bible tells us, I love this word, it says that he searched until. Everybody say until. I just love that word. He didn't search until he got to the river. He didn't search until he got to the desert or until he got to the mountain or until he got to the place where there were bandits and there were wolves. He didn't search until it was dangerous or until it was difficult or until he got tired. He searched until he found that which was lost. And man, that is the God that we serve, the God that passionately, actively searches to bring the lost back to himself. And man, when he finds the sheep, he didn't, even, he didn't even make the sheep carry his own burdens. It says literally, he took the sheep and put it up on his shoulders, and he brings that sheep back home. And when he got to the village, he calls all of his friends and neighbors together and said, come and rejoice with me. My sheep was lost, and he's found. Come, and I'm going to throw a party. I, I hope they didn't have lamb brisket, but they, they had a party, and they rejoiced, and they ate together, and fellowship together. Why? Because God loves when lost things come home. Man, God loves it. If you want rejoicing in heaven, God doesn't rejoice when we worship. He's got better worship than us. We don't worship because God needs more worship. We worship because we need to worship and remember the greatness of God. We don't worship because if we don't worship, God's going to have a bad day and we don't lift his spirit a little bit. We worship because we need it. But what we do for God that brings rejoicing in heaven is when we bring lost people back to him, there is rejoicing in heaven. And so they're rejoicing. And then he tells them another parable. He says the parable of the lost coin. Now, so there's a woman, and, and I just have to believe it's a widow. Because I just can't believe that this woman is sweeping and cleaning the house while her husband is asleep in the bedroom. 
right? So she's got to be a widow. Well, let's just give the man credit and say that he died. <laughs> so, so it's a widow. <laughs> and so she's searching. Now, she's got 10 coins, so, and she loses one, and so that's 10%. Now we're getting a little bit more valuable. It's 10% of what she has. But the effort she put into it shows the value that she has. And again, it uses these words. It says she swept the house and carefully searched now all the rest of you, until she found the coin. And what I love is when she found the coin, she went out into the neighborhood and woke everybody up. She inconvenienced everybody. Let me tell you, God wants to inconvenience your life. <laughs> You've got your plans laid out and what you want to do and where you want to go. You've got it all mapped out. And let me tell you, God loves the law so much that he wants to intersect with your life and bring inconvenience to you to get you out of your small path and to get you into the greatness of the path of what God created you for, to move you into his destiny. That's how much God loves the lost. Now, I want you to notice that that. As we move into the next story, the story of the lost son, that all of these things are lost for different reasons. You see, a sheep, he doesn't have any bad intentions. A sheep just sometimes puts his head down and he starts eating. And then he sees a little bit more grass and he moves over here and eats. Then he moves in this grass and he eats and he crosses over and eats. And then all of a sudden he looks up and before he know it, he's lost. Where'd the other sheep go? Where's the shepherd? There's a lot of people that are lost in this world simply because they get distracted. You can get distracted with life, get distracted with doing good things, get distracted with taking the kids to school and somebody's sick and there's a marriage coming up and I got to pay the bills and I got classes to take and all of a sudden you got your head down doing good things and before you know it, you hadn't talked to God in a month. You haven't looked at his word in months. You haven't worshiped him in months and before you know it, you have drifted away from God and even then, even if it's all on you and you drifted away, he's still running after you. Man, that's the goodness of God. He's faithful even when we're not faithful. Man, I love Jesus. <laughs> and then there's a lost coin. You see, a coin can't lose itself. It's an object. Either somebody lost it, somebody hid it, somebody tried to steal it. Coins can't lose themselves. The coin was lost because of the actions of others. And how many of you know right here in Lakeland, Florida, there's a whole lot of people that aren't in church today because of people like us? There's a whole lot of people that, that aren't calling on Jesus today because somebody who said they know Jesus acted in a really un-Jesus way, and they were hurt by the church, and, and they took it out on Jesus. And now they're lost. But even if you're lost because of somebody else, God is still looking for you. <laughs> The church may have hurt you, we may have hurt you, but God is always faithful. He has never given up. He is searching to bring you back to himself today. But then you get to the son, and the son, he's not like the sheep and the coin. The son, it was a decision. You know, here's basically what the son is saying. He's saying, I don't want to wait for you to die so that I can enjoy my life. 
I need you to give me my inheritance now. Because, I mean, you're in your 70s, and I thought you'd be dead, and now you've moved to Lakeland and got a retirement home. It looks like you're going to live 30 more years. <laughs> and, uh, and I don't want to wait that long. <laughs> I want to enjoy life now, so give me my part now so that I can go out and enjoy life. I don't want to live under your rules anymore. I don't want to live in your house anymore. I don't want to be your son any longer. Man, God's so gracious. The Father was so gracious. He gives it to him. He lets him go. Man, God will never force you to walk with him. He opens every door, makes every opportunity, but he will never force you to walk with him. And he lets the son go. And it says that the son goes out and he lives his life in what's called wild living. And you just, you know, go wherever your mind takes you. Wild living. He's bad. And at the end of all of this said there was a famine. And I can tell you this. God loves the lost so much that he's willing to bring heartache and pain into your life to get you back on the right path. He's willing to bring pain on earth today to save you from tragedy and pain later. And so a famine comes, and, and he's driven now to, to the bottom of the barrel. It says that he had to go out and literally had to feed pigs. Now, for me, my dad was a farmer and a plumber. So when I smell pigs and when I smell plumbing problems, I smell money. I mean, that's, what's wrong with that? You're feeding pigs. That's good money in that. But this guy is a Jew. Jews don't touch pork, <laughs> I mean, for them, this is every Jew hearing this story would have heard he's at the bottom. You can't get any lower. There's no place left to go. He's at the bottom of the barrel. And when he's at the bottom, it says literally, it says he came to himself. It says, I think I'll go back to my father. Now, remember the stories we've already told. You know, I, I used to have in my mind the picture of this father sitting around hoping beyond hope that his son would come home. But is that the picture of God we have? The shepherd actively, passionately searched until he found. The woman searched carefully until she found. And I just have to believe that one of the reasons the son came home was that the father saw the famine and knew the time's about right. And he must have sent his servants out into every village and every town saying, hey, if you find my boy, tell him the door is open. Tell him I'm waiting on him. And what we see is it says, while the son was still a long ways off. How many of you men like me that are getting a little old know you can't see a long way off unless you're looking for it and expecting it? And he was looking and expecting expecting. And when he saw his son, he ran to him and embraced him and called his servants together and said, my son was dead. He's alive again. Come and rejoice with me. Whoo, this is the heart of God. It is rejoicing when the loss comes home. Now, for me, the reason I get so excited is these aren't just stories in the Bible. The reason I get excited is that, that this is my story. I came from a, a broken home where, uh, where uh, uh, when I was a teenager, my mom left and then my father left. And as a teenager, I was alone and uh, I dealt with a lot of issues that led to drugs and alcohol and violence. And by the time I was 20 years old, I was an alcoholic. I had tried everything I knew how to do to get my life straightened out and nothing worked. And then one day, Jesus found me. <laughs> I, I always laugh. I always laugh 
when people talk about the day they found Jesus. That, that makes it sound like he was an old man with Alzheimer's in the forest. And, oh, we found him. <laughs> there you are, God. We found you. Hey, over here. <laughs> Let me tell you, you didn't find God. But when you were lost... <laughs> When you put your head down and wandered away, when someone hurt you and drove you away, when you were indifferent to God and ran away, he still pursued you. And you are here today because of the God who searches, because of the God who actively looks to bring the lost back to himself. That's why we are here today. But the God who searches, it wasn't just me he was thinking about. It wasn't just me. When I got saved, I'd only been saved about three months, and uh, my dad was a plumber, and so, so that's what I did. I was a plumber, and I was out digging ditches one day. Somebody asked my dad one day, why don't you buy a tractor? And he said, because God gave me two sons. And so I had my shovel, and I'm digging ditches and, you know, getting stuff ready, and I'm out digging one day. And while I was digging, three months saved, the first time I ever heard the voice of God, clear as day, I heard the voice of God say, would you do anything for me? And I dropped my shovel and lifted up my hands, I was like, that is amazing, God, out of everybody in the world, seven billion people, God just chose to speak to me. And I was just like, I'm overwhelmed. I said, yes, Lord, I would do anything for you. And I was just so excited. I'm driving home that day, and uh, I come to a stop sign, and a man jumps off of his porch, sitting on the porch, runs to my truck at this four-way stop, starts knocking on the window. I roll down the window, and he said, hey, I don't know if you know who I am. I pastor a small Baptist church out in the country. He said, I was sitting on the porch, and I saw you, and I heard you got saved, and God spoke to me. You're supposed to preach at my church on Sunday. Now, that's when you know you're from a small town, when people know you got saved. Yeah, yeah, I heard you got saved. I mean, I had kind of a reputation, so it was something happened. And so, so I was just about to tell him, I think you got the wrong guy. If you got some pipes stopped up or something, I can clean it out, but I don't know anything about preaching. And he said, no, I'm telling you, you're the man. You're supposed to preach Sunday night. I said, all right. And I remembered that word from the Lord. And I said, okay, I'll do it. So I show up to church on Sunday night, and I'm thinking this is a good way to start. You know, I had driven by the church before. had never seen more than five or six cars there. And it looked like the average attendee age was about 75. And so I'm thinking, you know, that's a good way to start because people that are that age are nicer. So I'm thinking, I'm going to be bad, and they're going to be nice and say, oh, good, good to have you. They're going to be nice about it. And so I show up at church that night, and the parking lot is packed, filled with cars. And he comes running up to my car. He said, I'm so glad you come. He said, I went all through town this week. I told everybody in town you got saved. I told every, I went door to door, and I told everybody you got saved, and they had to come to church tonight. So I'm showing up. I walk in the door in the whole back section. I mean, I'm from a small town where there's nothing to do. There's no movie theater, bowling alley. There's nothing to do. And so the whole back section is about 20 guys I'd been in a bar with just three months before, and they're all there. And I start walking up to the front and look around. I saw at least six old girlfriends, and I ain't even broke up with a couple of them yet. I'm like, oh, yeah, sorry about that. I'll call you up, sir. I mean, this is pressure. <laughs> pressure. I mean, I'm just sweating. I'm like, well, this is not, I'm not ready for this. And so I get to the front row, and I look out, second row. My mom was sitting on the second row. I'd not seen my mom since the day she walked out when I was a teenager, and I immediately now, that's, now this, is, this is really sobering now. So I come up to preach. You know, I, I'm so appreciative today of people who say nice things, and people who say nice things about me are just people who don't know me well, so I, I don't really take it to heart. But, but uh, the first introduction I ever got was this pastor, he stood up, he said, well, 
this boy said he got saved, and I can't believe it, and I know you can't believe it is, so here he is. And so that was my first introduction. I actually like those kind of introductions better. <laughs> so, uh, so I came up, and I'm just terrified, and I'm like, I, I can't, I don't think I can do this. And so I prayed, and, and when I prayed, just, uh, just uh, quietly I said to the Lord, Lord, I can't do this. You're going to have to take over. And so I just started speaking. And after about 10 minutes, I was trying to take notes. I was saying things I'd never thought of before. I was like, oh, man, that's a good point. And I know me, I don't remember stuff. So I'm like, i got to remember that. And, uh, I mean, it's, we're, we're going. And then when I finished, I just said, the same God who changed my life. He's here today. He'll do the same thing for you. And my mother jumped up out of her seat and ran down and gave her heart to the Lord. And when we're in church, my mom is teaching Sunday school in South Georgia right now. She's married to a deacon, loves the Lord with all of her heart and has traveled with us in India and Laos and, man, just loves the Lord. My brother and sister-in-law were there that day. They came down and gave their hearts to the Lord. My brother is a youth leader in a church today and is a deacon today. Uh, I have a nephew now, their nephew, who is a missionary with Live Dead in Egypt today. And my whole family, my dad ended up giving his heart to the Lord, lived out in the country and started a little church where he was until he passed away. My whole family came to the Lord because the God who was searching for me, it wasn't just me he was thinking about. When God found me, he knew he was finding my family and he knew he was finding my neighbors and my co-workers and my classmates. That God was wanting me to join with him in his search. And every one of you, it wasn't just about you. It's, it's not just about you. You're not in the kingdom of God just because God loves you. You are in the kingdom of God because God loves your family and God loves your neighbor and God loves your coworkers and your classmates. God loves the people you go to the gym with. God loves the people you play ball with. God loves people and wants you to join with him in his search. And so my pastor ended up telling me, he said, uh, hey, you need to go to Bible school. And I said, what's a Bible school? I mean, who knew there was such a thing? He said, well, that's where they teach you how to know the Bible and how to preach. And I said, yeah, I'll do it. And so he puts me in the church, man, brings me to Southeastern, and drops me off and says, okay, we'll see you in four years. And that was it. And I'm at Bible school now. I was a wreck when I went to Bible school. I'd only, I hadn't even been saved a year yet. I was, you know, like, I'm, I'm still twitching from drug rehab. I mean, so this is, so I show up at Bible school. In my first semester, uh, uh, Brother Robert Elliott, one of my heroes, I know he's been very sick. We've been praying for him. One of my, one of my heroes just uh, put a passion in my heart for the things of God. And then soon after coming to school, how many of you know Sister Ruth Bruce? How many of you are, yeah, see, there's old Southeasterners in the room. Sister Ruth Bruce, man, she was a retired missionary to India. Her mom raised five kids on the field as a single missionary. Her father passed away, and she raised five kids on the field, and they, they served the Lord, and all those kids became missionaries in India. Sister Bruce, when she retired, came back, and she's teaching a missions class, and, I, and so, uh, so I'm taking this class. As a freshman, it was one of those classes you had to take, and so I'm in the class, and Sister Bruce, one day, she starts talking about India. She said, India has one billion people who've never heard the gospel, 500,000 villages, half a million villages where there's still no church. I went up to her after class and I said, let me, let me wrap my head around this. 
you're telling me that there's a country with a billion people who've never heard. She said, that's right. I said, you're telling me that there's half a million villages 2,000 years after Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all people, you're, you're telling me that 2,000 years later, there's still 500,000 villages just in India where there's no church. And she said, that's right. I said, it's not right. She said, I agree with you. It's not right. I said, somebody needs to do something about it. She said, I agree with you. Somebody needs to do something about it. I said, well, how about me? She said, how about you? I said, I'm ready to go. Send me. She said, I don't have any money. I said, introduce me to a missionary with money. She introduced me to David Grant, bought me a ticket, sent me to India, and I've been there ever since. Maybe one day God will call me to India. <laughs> but until he calls me to India, I'm just going to keep serving and keep doing what I'm doing. But who knows what God's plan is for my life. <laughs> and in India, I found the same God who searches I found that same God searching in India. I was up in a village one time. I heard about this village that was up in the mountains. So I wanted to go to this village, and it was seven days of walking to get to one village. And when I get to the village, there's only ten houses. I mean, tiny little village. And I walk into this village, and I start preaching from house to house. And after about an hour of going house to house and talking with people, a young boy comes up to me and said, my grandfather wants to meet you. So I go with him to his house, and this is just a mud brick house up in the mountains. This is up about 12,000 feet up in the mountains, mud brick house. It's cold. There's, the river's frozen next to us. I mean, it's a cold area. And we're up, we walk into this house, and I sit down next to a fire. And there's this man. He must have been in his 90s. He had a yak skin wrapped around him, and he's sitting next to this fire. And he never even looked up. And all he did is he just asked the question when I sat down. He said, are you telling stories about Jesus? I said, yes. He said, my grandson told me somebody was in the village talking about a man named Jesus. He said, when I was my grandson's age, when I was about six, he said, my father was in the British military. And whenever he had time, he'd come back home to visit. And, and when he came back home to visit, he had an officer who was a British officer who used to tell him stories about a man named Jesus. And every time my father came home, he would tell me the stories of Jesus. And then my father died when I was still a young boy. He said, my whole life, I've thought to myself, if there is a God, it must be Jesus. He said, every day, every day, I pray, Jesus, if you are there before I die, send someone to tell me how I can follow you. He said, I've waited my whole life for this moment. Tell me how I can follow Jesus. And I told him the story of Jesus. And he threw that yak skin off and he said, take me and baptize me. I'm ready to go. I said, river's frozen. So I sprinkled him. <laughs> and today he's with Jesus. Because of the God who searches. That before I thought to move, God was already moving. And I want to tell you, God loves the people of Somalia and Zanzibar. God loves the people of Syria. God loves the people of Morocco and France and Italy. God loves the people of Germany. God loves the people of Cuba. God loves lost people wherever they are. And he relentlessly pursues, relentlessly desiring to bring the lost back to himself. But remember, the, the whole story 
is actually about Pharisees. The whole story is actually about these people that didn't understand the heart of God. So, so then Jesus brings them into the story, this older son. And it says the older son, when he came, it said, verse 28, the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So he's contrasting here the compassion of God that actively pursues, that gives everything to bring the lost back to himself, and the Pharisees and the religious leaders who are completely indifferent to the condition of the lost. May God help us that we would not fall into the category of older brothers. Those who've been in a long time and experienced a lot of stuff, and now we're just waiting on our inheritance. We're just waiting to receive our reward. And we're really not sure if we want everybody who's out there to experience this with us. Let me tell you, God loves people that we hate. God loves terrorists. You know, the only reason you and I are here today is because God loves terrorists. There, there was a terrorist, his name was Saul, and he used to go out and try to destroy the church and try to kill the people of God, and we are only here today because Saul the terrorist became Paul the apostle who first brought the gospel to Gentiles like you and I, and we are only here today because God loves people that you and I don't love. <laughs> May we have the heart of God for all people. Syria needs Jesus. Iraq needs Jesus. The world needs Jesus. So why aren't we doing it? Because most of the unreached today, they're in difficult, dangerous, hard-to-access places that may cost us everything, and we have, as a church have decided the cost of reaching them is too great. So we relieve them unreached. We leave them where they are. May God help us. So how do we need to respond today? First of all, everybody in this room, you need to start praying. Everybody say pray. <laughs> Every day when you pray for yourself, don't ever pray for yourself without praying for somebody who hasn't had the chance to know the grace of God that you found. Never pray for yourself without praying for those who've never had the first opportunity to say yes or no to Jesus. I want to encourage you. I mean, man, what a thing that this church loves you so much. You guys have such a church as to give you a book to help you do that every day. That, that green book. Somebody hold up your green book. You got the green book? Man. Missionaries are in there. Stories are in there. Nations are in there. Peoples are in there. And I want to encourage you every day, would you take a moment to pray for the lost? Would you take a moment to pray for campuses right here in Florida? The nations are on our campuses. They can be reached. The future influences of our nation are on those campuses. They can be reached. Pray for our campuses. Pray for ministries here. Pray for the nations of the world. Pray that the lost would come back to Jesus. I want to encourage you, if you have the heart of God, I want to encourage you to pray. Everybody say pray. And then you need to give. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart is going to be also. Because my heart is with the lost, that's where my treasure is. 
I'm so glad I had a pastor who just loved Jesus. I mean, he just loved Jesus with all of his heart. And, and so, so uh, I went to my pastor right after I got saved, and I said, Pastor, what do I need to do? I just want to go all in for Jesus. He said, just read your Bible. Whatever the Bible says, do you do it. And I went home, and I happened to read the story of the rich young ruler where Jesus told him, go sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and come follow me. And I didn't have anybody around me to talk me out of it, so I just did it. I gave my house away. I gave my bass boat away. I sold all my guns, all my rod and reels, gave my truck away, ended up with two pair of pants, two shirts, cowboy boots, a sleeping bag, and a flashlight, and I set out on my journey to follow the Lord 30 years ago, and I'm still, you know, about all I got is a flashlight, but I got Jesus. <laughs> and I want to encourage you, you don't need a lot, you just need Jesus. And I want to encourage you, I'm not telling all of you to sell your house. Some of you are in the neighborhood you're in because your neighbors need Jesus. I'm not telling you to sell everything today. What I am telling you is to hold loosely to the things of this world and hold tightly to the call of God. Give yourself, give your resources so that others can hear about Jesus. But then there's this last thing. You need to pray, you need to give, but then you also need to submit. You need to submit your life today to say, God, here I am, whatever you want to do in my life. You know, I always think it's strange when I hear people start prayers with words, please don't. <laughs> you ever heard a please don't prayer? God, please don't send me to Africa. <laughs> God, please don't make me preach. God, please don't send me to India. Those are the prayers of people who've never met Jesus. <laughs> because if you've met Jesus and you've experienced his grace, I've always felt like I believe I'm in India because all the better candidates said no. <laughs> they all said no, no, no. And I was on the sidelines saying, ooh, pick me, pick me. <laughs> you should be begging the Lord every day for the privilege of being his servant and making him known to a people who've never heard. You should be asking the Lord every day, God, I'm going to stay right here and, and reach everybody around me. But God, if you just open, crack a door, I'm going to run through it. God, if you just open a window a little bit, I'm going to jump through it. God, I want to be where there are people who've never heard. Because the fact is, here in Lakeland, Florida, there is no excuse for anybody to be lost. If every one of you in here went out and simply told your circle of influence about Jesus, everybody would be reached. But I live in a place where, where recently I took a drive 10 hours into the mountains. You got to a village parked my truck, and I started walking, and I walked for seven days through the mountains. Got back to my truck, drove home by another route, 10 hours. In nine days, I did not cross one church. I did not meet one person who had heard the name of Jesus. You see, somebody's got to go because they don't have a neighbor to tell them. They don't have a friend or family member to tell them. There are still people out there who are waiting on Jesus. They're waiting on Jesus. I used to go up to this area. There's a, there's a, a, a valley, the last valley before China. It's considered the last village in India. They have this moniker. They call themselves the last village in India. If you walk over the hill, you're in China. And I heard about this area 
And uh, whenever I hear about somewhere a long ways off that needs Jesus, that just, that just, I mean, that stirs me up. Like some of you hear about a golf course and you're like, oh, I got to go play golf there. I heard about this valley. I was like, oh, I got to go preach there. So, so I get in my truck, drive for two days and then walk for a couple of days and get into this valley and we start preaching. And, and I started going back there. Every year I'd go back a couple of times and preach. And after two or three years of doing this, we had seen no results. Nothing's happening. There's a people that are not represented in heaven. Nothing's happening there. And then one day, a friend of mine called me. There was a believer down in the city at the base of the hills that, uh, that a young man from that village came and found him and said, hey, do you know about Jesus? I'm looking for somebody to tell me how I can find Jesus. And he talked to him a little bit, found out he was from that area. He said, I, I got a guy for you. So he sent him. And so this guy and two of his sisters, they come to my house because they want to know about Jesus. And I start to tell him about Jesus. He'd had a vision. He'd heard on a radio program about Jesus. Then he had a vision of Jesus. And so he's coming. I want to find out about Jesus. So we start talking to them. And as soon as we start talking to them, one of the sisters starts manifesting demons. And so, so we cast demons out of the sister. And then the whole family gives their heart to the Lord. And today in that family, that young man is the first pastor from his tribe today. He, he's got three sisters. All three of the sisters are married to pastors today. And in the family, back in the village, they all came to the Lord, the mother and father. God started moving. A people that had never been encountered with the gospel. And then in December, tragically, the uh, mother and father both died tragically just within, uh, within a very short span of each other. And so uh, where I live, they, they had come to where I met because there's this only hospital. There was no hospital. So they came to go to the hospital. She died there. There's no mortuary. There's, you got to bury them when it happens. And we're up on the, these mountains. And so we go to the graveyard. And the graveyard's on the back side of the mountain down the hill because uh, the uh, other religions don't want to have these dead bodies close to them. So it's, it's as far away from the city as you can get. And so, so we've got to carry the body there. And as we're carrying the body, a hailstorm starts. And it just is pounding. And within minutes, there's like three inches of hail on the ground, and we're slipping and sliding. We get to the hill, and we're just sliding all down this hill and muddy. And we get down there, and the hole that we had dug for the body is now filled with ice and water. So we've got to scoop all that out, and it's just cold. Our hands are numb. And then we get the body in, and it's still just hailing and raining. And we, we take and just push all that mud back over the grave and put stones on it. And when we're finished, I was standing there and just, just soaking wet, freezing cold, covered in mud. And I'm just standing there. And I thought, my first thought that came to my, me was, man, this was a bad day. Bad day. This is not a good day. We just lost two of the first people that have come to the Lord from this area. Today is just a bad day. And then all of a sudden, I felt like I was just transported into the heavenlies. And this awakening came to my mind that this day in heaven, for the very first time in history, Jesus was being worshipped by a people who had never worshipped around the throne before. That there were praises being sung to the Lord that day in a language that had never been uttered 
before in heaven. Jesus Christ was receiving the reward of his sacrifice. I want to tell you, there's no greater thrill or joy in life than joining with God in his search. And I would wish that for every one of you in this room, that you could experience the joy of bringing the lost back to the Father, that you would experience the joy of joining with him in his search and seeing lives changed and transformed And I want to challenge you, start right here, start right now. Missions is not something that begins in the future. Every day, look to make Jesus famous wherever you are. But as you're making him famous right now, cry out to the Lord every day for people who have never had a chance, for those who have never heard, God, would you let me be the one? Would you send me? Here I am, Lord. Use me for your glory. Would you stand with me today? And I want you to do this. Just lift both your hands as a sign of surrender to the Lord, a sign of submission to the Lord. Father, we've come to you today willingly. Lord, not with a begrudging heart, but willingly we come and offer ourselves to you. And Lord, I pray that you would take away fear and doubt that would keep us away from your purposes and plans for our life. First of all, God, I pray for those who are here today who are some of those lost things. They've wandered away. They've been hurt, and they're standing far away. They've run away, but God, they're lost today, but they're here today because of you, because of your passion. You have drawn them here again today, and you desire that they would come home. So Father, I pray for your people today that any of the lost ones that are here today, God, I pray that they would find that hope, that joy, that love, that they would come home to you today, Lord. But Lord, I pray for your people who are here today. Lord, on behalf of the Saudi On behalf of the Somali, on behalf of the Colombian, on behalf of the Portuguese, on behalf of the Gujarati and the Kashmiri, on behalf of the Han Chinese and the Indonesian, Lord, on behalf of people for whom you died. On behalf of those that you gave your life for, we offer ourselves to you today, Lord. For every child in this world who has no neighbor or family member to tell them. For every man and woman who is wandering, looking for answers today, and there's nowhere to turn. God, we offer ourselves to you today. We say, here I am. Use me, Lord. Use me, Lord. Use me, Lord, for your glory. Use me, Lord, for your glory. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come right now. And here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to do. If you need Jesus this morning, and you know Jesus is looking for you, (laughs) he's drawing you, he's running to you, I want you to reciprocate and I want you to run to him. If you're found... But you say, God, I want others to find. And you want to offer yourself. If you want someone to pray for you or if you just want to come and pray. I want to open it up. If you're just saying, God, here I am. I don't know what the future holds for me, but here I am. Let me tell you, God knows how old you are. God knows how much money you have. 
God knows all of your problems and your situation. He knows your health issues. He knows everything about you. There is no excuse valid before the King of kings and Lord of lords. God needs young people, but God also needs old people. God also needs middle-aged families. God needs a generation who will step forward and say, God, I don't know how you can use me, but I want you to know I am here. I am available. Take me and use me to make your name famous. And God, I just want you to know today, my life belongs to you. If that's your desire, I'm going to open the altars right now. If you're coming home, come home. If you're offering yourself to bring others home, Come on, right now, I want you to move and say, God, here I am right now. So, Father, in your name, we, we are in your presence. We couldn't be more clear from the preaching. How shall they hear except someone be sent and someone preach? God, we know that you draw us near to you. All of us in this room and those online heard a message today that was directed toward us as an individual. If we listen to that, the enemy will remind us of our weakness, our failure, our faults. But if God has spoken to us, that means that we're a vessel worthy of him speaking to. And he's chosen us. So I pray you'd speak to every family. I pray for every man, every woman, every young person, every business person. God, I pray you'd wreck somebody's life in this room today, not just one but several, and that is wreck them to the degree that their, their life takes an absolute 180 spin, and right now as I speak, you sent chills into their heart because they know it's coming. I pray in your holy name, you would do what we cannot do right now, so we offer our praise and our worship 
and we offer ourselves and everything that we have to you. We give it to you now. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You may be reseated. Give me just a few moments. In the bulletin, you receive this card. Here's the envelope that it's in. This is the card. This is the card that we've asked you to pray about. It's the card that says 2019 Missions Faith Promise. And that you will put something either weekly or monthly that will bring to the total amount over 12 months your missions giving. Over here is in addition to what Sharon and I do is make a, a, a commitment for the year to the missions program. We also put a cash offering over here. Now, what I'm asking you to do is read that card. On the back is the credit card information. Next week, we're going to receive all of these. But if you're here this morning, you say, I'm not coming back. You know, only go twice a month. I already got two Sundays in. And I'm going to say to you, how's that possible? It just became November. You got one Sunday in. So you come back next week with this prepared. But after every service, this is what the Holy Spirit told us a number of years ago. Take an offering for the missions. The missions expense for our missionaries. Those aren't rare. All that goes with it that we will support. That missions budget is just north of this year about $55,000. So we know that that can easily be met through our giving. So I'm asking you now, the ushers are coming as we receive the tithe and offering. I'm asking you to give. Did you know that there are those watching online right now? That they're under strong conviction and they know they need to take a step closer to God. And I'm saying to those of you online, those that just heard that message and God spoke, get yourself here in the house of God. Make whatever efforts you need to do and let God do a miraculous work in you. And let's believe God. So reach in and get your, your best sacrificial gift. Victory Church, you make it out or you can go online and give the special offering in the missions. There are numerous ways. It's all there in the bulletin. Let's pray. Father, in your name, we have some needs, and we know you're the need. You, you, you meet the need. There's some people that's lost that got out of the heart of obedience of those that love them. You're going to reach down to them. And even though in their rebellion, you're going to make a way where there is no way. There's some that's casual in their relationship. They couldn't really answer the question if they really faced the truth of the Scripture. They'd have to say, no, I'm not right with Jesus. And the devil's made them believe a lie. Well, Lord, I pray you would convict them right now because far too many will wind up in the desolate place of Hades because they believed a lie. We will declare the truth by the grace of God. We will not judge. We will love that person, but we won't love them just with an action. We'll love them endeavoring to show them the way of what the Word of God says. Let it be so. Bless as we receive this special missions offering. Let us give our best gift to those, God, who can give 10000 let them give it. Those that will give five, let them give it. Those that will give 100 those that will give 10 Whatever the gift amount is, speak to every heart and let it be done in Christ's name. Amen. I'll give the benediction in just a moment.
Amen. I'm asking you to pray. I'm asking you to give, and I'm asking you to surrender and sacrifice. I'm going to ask you to stand. Now listen carefully. Missions is a forefront of the passion of Victory Church. It is 6,500 plus people. You claim this, well, that's where I go to church. Then you're on board. But let me tell you, don't pitter or patter around the emphasis of missions. Cultures led us away from, listen carefully, cultures led us away from church. I had a pastor tell me the other day, well, I've just got to follow culture. I said, you need to resign and get out of the ministry. Well, what do you mean, Pastor Blackburn? You need to follow the Word of God. Your people need to hear the truth. They need to hear it enough and say, if you follow that, if you follow that wide road, you're going to be in trouble. Get in the narrow way. The narrow way will cost us something every time. Let's go ahead and make yourself available tonight and come on back to church. Joe Gordon will be back, and I promise you, there is an anointing upon his life. Can you say amen? By the grace of God. So plan to be here Wednesday night. Say, well, I have to work. Trade with somebody. Amen? Just plan to be here. Why? Because... We are going to wreck the powers of darkness and some people that are not saved right now that might be related to you. The shackles are going to break because the church came together and say we won't have it anymore. We're standing in that gap. So here we go. Father, in Jesus' name, touch and anoint and protect and excite us. Wreck our lives this next week. Let us have nothing in our mind but the thought of seeing lost people come to Christ. Begin to use us, mold us, 
fashion us like you desire for us to be in the name of the Lord. And don't let us hit a way station or a roadside. Keep us in the highway moving forward, declaring the name of Jesus Christ. May it be so. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Love you, everybody. Smile at somebody you don't like.